Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. That's a lot of episodes. It is a lot of episodes. It's a whole lot of mean. It's not nearly enough of you, daughter dearest. That's what I think. For those who might be brand new to the show, my name is Soccer Noob. That is not just a character. It is my life. I've only been really following the sport in earnest uh, for probably a little bit under four years. Joining me is my 10-year-old daughter, who is comparatively new to being alive, and thusly, your name gets to be... Person Noob. Person Noob. And are we ever going to change our names? No. Probably not. Even if I'm a billion years old. That's right. At this point, it's a branding issue, because like you said, we've done a lot of episodes. And we are going to be talking about football matches, soccer matches from all over the world, the most important, intriguing matches to be found. But we define that a little bit differently than everyone else. Do we go to big leagues sometimes and big national team tournaments? Mm -hmm. Yep, we sure do. But we also like to go to places that are that's right we don't care about the size of the country if it's a top flight league and it's uh, basically sanctioned by fifa there's a really good chance that their top matches are on our radar any country any confederation we do a lot of geography and have a lot of fun along the way learning the game and learning the world through the lens of the game Ooh, that kind of sounds cool doesn't it this particular week, we're going to be talking about matches uh, from uh, the twenty through the twenty third through the 29th. Our week always runs Friday through Thursday. But before we get to all that person, we haven't kind of had a little chat on our intro for a little while, so I thought we'd do a little cross chat before we get. Now uh, we've got a longer segment uh, that we've already recorded. Uh, where you're going to be taking over by and large for match number three. But I still want to spend a minute or two with you here and find out how's your holiday season going so far. Pretty good. That's right. Almost Christmas time, isn't it? Yep. You kind of get a little bit bothered by people saying Merry Christmas, don't you? Yeah. Uh, it was like December 2nd, uh, and we were like on a parade float, and then everyone was screaming Merry Christmas. Even he was screaming Merry Christmas from the planet Rotar. Uh, for some reason. Well, I was on the float for the Rotarians. Mommy is in Rotary, and so I thought greetings from the planet Rotar for some of the teenage kids that were being uh, playfully uh, playfully smart-assed. <laughs> if I can use that word, I thought I would just shout something good nature back then. Greetings from the planet Rotar. But it was like the beginning of the month. Yeah, it's not that you have a problem with the phrase Merry Christmas. You have a problem with the timing. Yes. Someone was holding up a sign uh, in a game. Merry Christmas 
Uh, and it was like, uh, a f- like I don't know, like a few days ago, and it was like maybe like a week before Christmas. Uh, a like, week before Christmas. Okay, so what is the Christmas. what is the earliest you think people should uh, reasonably start saying Merry Christmas to one another? So, uh, it's the twenty fifth. Maybe like the twenty second or something. Like the twenty second. Like don't say it a lot. Just like say it like. No. So about three days before Christmas, you can start saying it a little bit, but you should not start using the phrase in earnest, using it a lot until actual Christmas Day. Yeah. Also, uh, on the 24th, say Merry Christmas Eve, because we are an actual holiday. What if it's what if it's during the day, though, and it's not in the evening? Do you say Merry Christmas Eve day? Merry Christmas Eve, because Christmas Eve is the whole day. Merry Christmas pre-evening, for those of you who might be... Uh, uh, a Big Bang. I, I don't watch the show, but I heard about it. Uh, yeah, the the Big Bang show. Oof. What's it? Yeah, pre evening. Uh, uh, the Big Bang Theory. Yes, thank you. Couldn't remember the name. They talk about pre evening. So Merry Christmas pre evening for during the day, around dusk. Anyway, <laughs> this isn't very soccer oriented, is it? So while the reason for the season is we are Christians, this is of course the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, coming to the world in flesh, Emmanuel. But I also do want to talk to you because it is part of the fun, a little bit of the secular side, is the gift giving. Is there anything particular that you're hoping to get this year? Well, not like in particular. Like, no. Did you did you give me anything? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Ooh, are you going to give me a hint, a sneak preview, or just flat out tell me what it is, or do I have to wait? You have to wait. Oh, you're such a Scrooge. You don't want people to say Merry Christmas. You won't tell me about the present. It's just like some people put up Christmas decorations the day after Halloween. Okay? That will get on my nerves. That's really crazy because that's the day that we usually nail up uh, turkey carcasses around the trees in our backyard to celebrate Thanksgiving. Nope. We don't really nail up turkey carcasses around Thanksgiving, do we? No, 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 like three days after Thanksgiving, people will be screaming Merry Christmas. <laughs> and it's sad. So you sound like a little bit of a Scrooge, I'm going to be honest. No, people want to enjoy the season for as long as they can. They're it, anxious to get a head start. Okay, say Merry Christmas every single day of the year. There's there's a big head start. No, it's, I don't okay. think we should say Merry Christmas until probably again in mid-late January. I think we could start again. You know, take about uh, three weeks off and then do it for 49 weeks. On your birthday in March, I'm going to tell you Merry Christmas instead of Happy Birthday. I will slap you in the face. If you that cry. is a really specific and violent threat. I'm not sure I approve of this. <laughs> if, you, if you even try. I will only accept Merry Christmas from a last year classmate who said Merry Christmas uh, on my birthday to me for no reason. <laughs> All right, good enough. Well, we'll negotiate this whole flight face slapping business later on. I'm not sure I like the sound of that. I hope you don't end up on Santa Claus's naughty list. Put your hand down. You don't get to slap me. You'll get coal in your stocking, child. You're only ten. You get coal in your stocking. You may be the superstar of this show, but I, but I still I'm have I still have some input with the big North Pole elf on what you're going to get in your stocking. All right, enough of the violence. Shall we get into the soccer? Uh-huh. All right, let's kick things off with... Match number one! Our first match is a Friday match from Scotland, but not the Premier League, the second division, the championship. 
one team, only the regular season champion, will get automatically promoted. Three other teams will go to a promotion playoff to determine who the second and final team to get promoted to the Premier League will be. And by the way, the SPL, the Scottish Premier League, is now the ninth-ranked league in all of UEFA. So it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal as that league gets better and better to be able to play in it. And we start off with the top two matchup. Number one, Air United. That's A-Y-R, but Air taking on current second place. Dundee FC. Here's how the table looks right now. This is one of the great races in the world going on. Air have 32 points. Uh, Dundee FC, 31. Queen's Park are only one more point back. And then Grenock Morton, they are at 29 points, just two points back. And it's worth noting that all three of the teams that I mentioned after Air United, they all have a match in hand on Air United. So this race is even tighter than it sounds, and that's plenty tight as, as it is. Now, earlier this season when the two played, Dundee FC won 2-1. to one. The series between these two has also gone Dundee's way. 7-2 of 5, uh, and 5 rather, is their aggregate record in recent seasons. Now, before we start off by talking about Air United, I've challenged Person Noob for as long as she chooses to stay awake during this recording session to come up with one factoid for each of the countries that we're going to cover. So, what do you have for us about Scotland? Uh, Scotland. It is only spelled with one T. You're right. It also only has one D in it and one N. Oh, because the first name, Scott would have two. So that's your factoid for us is that it has one yeah. T. You had to work pretty hard for that one? Yeah. Well played, daughter mine. Your sense of humor is coming along nicely. I like it. I didn't plan that one. That's all person new. One T in Scotland, ladies and gentlemen. That's what she brought to the show. All right. <laughs> Air United. Air is a uh, town of about 50,000 in the southwest part of that country. Uh, the North Harbor side is still a pretty uh, popular port. It mostly exports coal. The team, they are known as the Honest Men, which comes from a poem, and I don't remember which one or who the author uh, was, but I know it was somebody from Air. Anyway, I was a bad English major. Where they play their ball is Somerset Park, which holds about 10,000 people, but only 1,500 of them are seated. It would be such a huge deal for them to go back up. They have not been in the top flight in Scotland since probably before it was called the Premier League. 1977-78 was when they got relegated down. Last year, they were nowhere close to getting back up. They finished just in eighth place. This year, the defense would not seem to indicate that they're going to be going anywhere, but you know, just staying where they are because they have a below average defense by a little bit, but they've got the number one offense in the league. They're the only team getting more than two goals per match. And things are uh, congested enough uh, statistically as far as the defense that they actually do have the number one goal differential in the league. Who do they have to thank for that? By and large, their number one scorer by miles. I think he's got over half again as many goals as anybody else. 15 on the season already. Depo Akinyeme. He is from England, plays center forward. He is also tied for third best in the league on assists. He's got five of those. And yet to give you a little bit of perspective on what this league like looks like, maybe talent-wise compared to other places, 
he just came over from Welling United, which is a team that's only, I think, semi-professional at most, the sixth tier of English football. Team's current form. They just had an eight-match unbeaten streak snapped. They went on the road at number five, Partick Thistle, and lost two to three in quite the shootout. And now Dundee, wondering, uh, wondering if they can put them on a losing streak. Dundee, that is in the east central part of the country. It's the fourth biggest city at about 150,000. And this was a real hot spot, uh, history majors will know, in their uh, in the Scottish fight for independence. And it's a fight that, I mean, that's going on right now. They There are a lot of spots in Scotland. A lot of people want the country to be independent. And the people of Dundee are key in that fight. They have won the Premier League title one time. That was back in 1961-62. They've won the title for this league that they're currently in five times, most recently 2014-15. Obviously, they didn't stay too long in the Premier League. Last year, they were still in it or had gotten back to it, but were relegated again. They finished in last place, 12th. Pretty well-balanced team. Number four offense going. They get one and two-thirds goals per match. Second-best defense. I don't think that this is a team that's going to be able to hold on unless it can up that offense. They've only got the fourth-best goal differential. That would still put them in a promotion playoff spot, playing that little tournament at the end to see who else can go up. But that's the best I think that they can hope for. It would be great for them just to even get a draw here on the road, quite frankly. Key players to look out for them. Tied for number four in league scoring with seven on the year. Zach Robinson, English center forward, just 20 years old. He actually came over from a tier four side. That is league two over in England, AFC Wimbledon. And then tied for number one in assists in the league with six is Paul McMullen. He plays right wing, also has five goals. Might be their most valuable player overall, quite frankly. Uh, spent the first part of his career training with Celtic, but he didn't make any senior team appearances for them. He had a chance to be a part of the Chelsea youth system, but he wanted to play first team ball earlier in his career, get his experience that way. And so, much to the surprise of many, he turned them down. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight across all competitions and have won six straight matches. Match number B. More Friday action, and we don't have to take much of a flight, maybe none at all. Match number B, and yes, we use that instead of the icky phrase number two because that's bathroom talk. Join us, please, in a revolution. Replace that phrase in your life with Number B, 1B345, the new way to count. It is new but proved. We are heading to the Premier League of Wales this particular time around, which is only the 50th ranked league in all of Europe. Their national team is pretty darn good. Their league, yikes, not so much so. Wales isn't all that populated a country. Person noob, what is the interesting fact you have for us about this particular geographic location? The place Wales is not spelled the way that the animal is spelled. Apparently all our trivia is going to have to do with uh, the spelling of the countries. Yes, that's correct. Yes. There is no H in the country of Wales. Thank you once again for the deep insight that you bring to the geographic factoid portion of the show. I do appreciate it. That's funny. All right. Your matchup is uh, current number B in the table. Kana's Quay Nomads taking on perennial powers. Powerhouse number one, TNS, the New Saints. TNS, they currently lead Kana's Quay by seven in the table. Kana's Quay really need to defend their home turf if they're going to have any shot at the league because this is one of the only teams that 
uh, can even keep up with TNS, typically, quite frankly. By the way, Conisquay, in turn, they lead Cardiff Metropolitan University. That team by six. Now, it's so only one team out of league ranked this low will get to go to the Champions League. Two or three others will go to the tertiary international club tournament, the Europa Conference League. So if TNS can even get a draw out of this match, I dare say even halfway through the season or so that the league title will be very much theirs to lose. And they have absolutely dominated Connors Quay, not quite to the extent that they have other teams, but it's a uh, bloody and gory enough. 24, four and seven is the record against Connors Quay over the last uh, several years. Nevertheless, we'll talk about the home team first. As always, Connors Quay, uh, that town Connors Quay is in the Northeast part of the country. It's just a few miles from Chester, England. It's got about 16,000 people, but really it's part of a whole area called D side D E E. And uh, that's the river that runs through the area. And so really the whole little tiny conurbation has about 50,000 people. There's very little retail here, even though the, even though it's got a decent number of uh, people there. A lot of energy production. And then uh, Tata Steelworks is one of the big employers. So this is very much a blue-collar area, mostly industrial. And then they have to head elsewhere to do anything else for their goods and services. Footy-wise, they have won the league title twice. Uh, they won it between 2019 and 2021. So TNS have dominated for the most part, but they've gotten their nose bloodied a couple times in recent seasons. Cottesquay has never been past the first qualifying round in the Champions League or past the second qualifying round in any other European tournaments. I don't believe these teams are even fully professional, if even semi-pro. Last year, they just finished in ninth place, a really bad season for them. They have very few of those, at least in my limited experience. This year, well-balanced. They've got a top-five offense. The defense is where their bread is getting buttered, though. Second best in that regard. They give up less than a goal per match. Key player on the offensive side for them, tied for number four in league scoring with seven, is Michael Wild. He actually plays defender and is 39 years old. I got to be honest. I don't care how far up the field he's playing, more as a... Uh, kind of attacking-minded midfielder occasionally. If you've got a 39-year-old, because <laughs> that's long in the soccer to the place defender and he's your league-leading scorer, I'm just not sure that bodes well. He actually started his career with TNS, and he spent uh, 2012 through 16 seasons there. Team's current form, number uh, they have a nine-match unbeaten streak going. And then your visitors, TNS. It seems like I've talked about them enough different times that I'm going to tell you something new I've never found out about them before. Okay, look, they've won the league a million times. They're from fairly near the border with England. You probably know all this if you're any kind of veteran footy fan. TNS are the team that always get to go to the Champions League. Not that they really do anything there. But did you know... The other meaning for TNS, the new Saints. Some people think it has to do with their sponsors. No. But you know how, like in American baseball, we have uh, the White Sox, the Red Sox, even uh, collegiately, uh, Presbyterian University. I want to say they're down in Texas. They are the Blue Hose. You get a lot of namings like that. Person Noob, did you know that the TNS in the Welsh soccer team stands for the No Sox? And that's because back in the 19th century, when there was really no money floating around, and this area was not one of the textile-producing parts of uh, northeastern, north-central England, that while they had access to material for shoes and kits and various things, 
They had no socks, and it was really a detriment to them being able to play well. I did not know that, and that is very weird. What's one of the reasons you can think why that would be really, really weird? Uh, why would you have, like, shoes, everything you need, but no socks? Well, that's what makes it weird, is it's not true at all. I just made that up, like, right now on the spot. That's sad. It is sad. You know why it's sad? Because when I was doing my research earlier this week, I must have stopped after Conda's Quit Nomad, done something else, like started watching the, uh, I started watching the Jack Ryan series on Amazon Plus, and then when I went back to it, I started a new match, and I forgot to research uh, TNS. That is sad. We bring the sadness here on Soccer New Rock in America. No. Match number three. We remain on Friday on the weekly calendar, and this isn't even our last match. Number three, we do need a longer flight for this one. Hopefully they give you the big bag of the peanuts. Indonesia's Liga 1 is where we're headed. One of the great races in all the world. That's what we're always on the lookout for. This is the 25th ranked league in the AFC, Asian Football Confederation. That's just a tiny bit below average. So their champion does not go to the Champions League. They go to a secondary tournament called the AFC Cup, but they get to start in the group stage. And they'll also send another team to the playoff round because they're one of the better teams or leagues that does not send one to the Champions League. One of the great races, as I mentioned, and we have a top two matchup. Number B, Borneo Samarinda, playing host to number one, PSM Makassar. Makassar currently lead uh, Borneo by one, and they have a match in hand. And then Borneo, they lead Bali United by one and Madura United by two. Now, the last time we talked about this league, I was easily able to say that there were five or six teams still in the mix as they approach the halfway point. Now it's probably down to these four, but who knows? And again, they're almost halfway through the season. But that's all I'm going to give you for this particular one because we have a new tradition that we're starting on the show now. And so let's get into our Eminol segment. And so here is co-host and superstar daughter person who? Me. That's you. (laughs) Yes, correctly identified, Dad. Way to go. And you're here to tell us about an animal that uh, is called the? Irrawaddy dolphin. That's right. Can you give us some of the basics on the Irrawaddy dolphin? Uh, well, they're oceanic dolphins. They live in fresh water uh, near river mouths. Uh, they're called river dolphins, but they don't usually go far up rivers. Uh, the most concentrated populations are actually Odisha, India, and Thailand. In Indonesia, it's specifically the Mahakam River where they live. Yeah, we weren't really sure on the pronunciation of the river, were we? Nope. But So this is not where they're most commonly found, but they are found down there, which is a good thing because this is an endangered animal. And I don't think that they've been being spotted down there for all that many years. So it's good that they're finding you know, a, 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 new, a new home. More places is good. Mm-hmm. So in Indonesia, what do they call them? A pesut. Pesut. All right, and uh, give us some of the basics, if you would, uh, kind of what they look like and some other key attributes. Oh, well, there's like a slatish blue color. Mm-hmm. Uh, their snout is short, uh, but like very blunt. Now, that's that's really weird for a dolphin, isn't it? That's unusual. Mm-hmm. Most of them are, are longer and sleeker. This is a bit of a different animal, isn't it? And it's mm-hmm. uh, got a big uh, melon. I never knew before that a melon was, I thought it was just, 
oh, a person's head is round, so you know, I'm going to tap you on your melon to get your attention. But that's actually like a big fleshy lobe with some animals like this with lots and lots of tissue. We've even got a few pictures up that you can't see. But, and I know personally that you said that uh, dolphin, uh, the pictures weren't going to be really necessary. But when we were looking at them, there was one picture that really stood out to me. You want to tell people what it is? It was a dolphin drinking from a little uh, bottle. And it's so cute and he's so shiny and so small. Yep, you see how he's, uh, yep, there he is. That kind of slight bluish gray. And he's got a really, really big, He's got a really, really big head. And he's happy. He's yes, smiling. He, he does look like he's smiling, doesn't he? Well, he's getting taken care of. All right, what are some other uh, factoids we can know about the Irrawaddy? Uh, he has a, a broad, rounded fins. Okay. But how big do they get? Uh, Well, they can weigh up to like 200 to 440 pounds. Holy smokes. They didn't look that big in the picture. That's incredible. Uh, How long do they get? Uh, most adults can get up to like seven and a half feet long. Okay. What else do we know? Uh, they're not very fast. They can go like 12 to 16 miles per hour. Sounds uh, fast to me, but I guess most dolphins are faster, huh? Yeah. And they also, uh, most of the time, stick to like groups that have like a few, maybe like two or three. But some of them can um, uh, can and do uh, two with 15. Oh wow, that's quite a bit of disparity. Okay, how about uh, how about when they're uh, breeding? What can you tell us about that? Oh well, once the opposite of Magellanic penguins. Yeah, now uh, Magellanic penguins are what we did last week. The mommies and daddies have the baby, and then they get back together, don't they? Mm -hmm. Oh well, these moms and dads just get together and then go. I'm going to head out and leave. <laughs> Dad, mommy and Daddy both say, I'm going out for cigarettes. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Sorry if anybody's mommy or daddy left that way. Oh. Dolphins not the trying milk. to hurt feelings. The milk. <laughs> Whoops. All right. Now, this is one of my favorite things here in the notes about them that they do. Now, a lot of dolphins and whales and things uh, they've got the blowholes in the top, and they can spout water way out the top. What is so cool and different about the way the Irrawaddy dolphin does it? Uh, uh, instead of like going like up, it goes forward. Yeah, I know. It's feet. like they got a built-in squirt gun. Yeah, up to like five feet. Water cannon. What do they use that for primarily? Uh, they use it to like uh, hurt a bunch of fish. <laughs> that's really cool. So what's some of the stuff that's involved with how they herd fish? Uh, spy hopping. That's right. They do something called spy hopping. You want me to talk about that one a little bit? Yeah. Spy hopping is when, uh, and you'll see animals even get trained to do this. Like if you go to a recreational aquaria where there's shows going on, when an animal is breaching the water and it's more uh, on a vertical plane than a horizontal plane and they're kind of staying up there, uh, that means... That it is spy hopping. And uh, with some dolphins that look, you know, they're splashing a lot of water. It seems like, oh, this is something that they're they're kind of working really hard to keep themselves afloat. The Irrawaddy dolphin, when it spy hops, it's not going quite that far. It's not like basically on top of the water like a show dolphin or something. It's its actual own natural buoyancy that by and large allows it to get above the water. And then when they are above the water... That gets the attention when they're going up and down of other dolphins. So they'll do this at different points around where fish are, and they kind of want to herd them together. And then once, what else happens? Once the dolphin has done all this 
spy hopping and maybe blowing its blowhole, you know, out its blowhole and squirting at the fish to get them all to a more centralized location, then what are the dolphins able to do? Uh, they are able to uh, communicate more to other dolphins with their clicks, buzzes, and creeps, creeps that, out. That's right. Dolphins might be the second smartest animal on the planet. Some would say the smartest animal on the planet. You Chimpanzees got, are smarter. You think so? Uh, uh, chimpanzees <laughs> know how to hunt. They know how to communicate. Uh, they know how to like feed their children. They stay with them. And they've actually done... And they're actually uh, really much like humans. Wow. Dr. Jane Goodall. Well, I, <laughs> wow, you've been learning a lot in school or reading on your yeah. own online. But do chimpanzees have a built-in water cannon on their melon? Uh, no, but they know <laughs> how to hunt for food and how to fish for food. So. Fair enough. I still, You know me, I like cannons. I like Pinkie Pie from uh, My Little Pony because yeah. of the party cannon, and I like this animal because of the water cannon and his melon. Cannons. They also watch tour boats that way. So when people are coming by, they pay to be on a boat or whatever. They're like, oh, look at the dolphins. The dolphins are getting a free show. Near Hawaii, stay above the water and they stare at the people. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about uh, their herding. Do they just do it by themselves or do they do something else sometimes? Uh, they can do it like, um, uh, they do it sometimes on their own. Uh, but sometimes they uh, herd fish towards boats so that they can, like, catch them. Uh, and then, like, uh, so that the fishermen can catch them. And also, any um, uh, fish, yeah, that's the word, uh, fish that the uh, fisherman doesn't want, they throw back, which is like a reward for herding them. Yeah, that's called bycatch from yeah. what we have in here in our notes. So they push the fish towards the boat, and then just for doing that, the fishermen... So it's like a team effort. Mutualism is what I think it's called, but I don't have that in my notes here, but I feel like I might have seen that somewhere. Now, sadly, especially given that they're already in danger, can you tell us about some of the things that are that are sadly hurting these dolphins? Uh, well, some of them, uh, one of them is gill nets. That's the biggest one, which that's sad. Yeah, the big strings of uh, net panels that get lowered into the water. They're really, really giant ones, and they're great for catching lots of fish at once. But unfortunately, other animals like these dolphins get caught up in them. Mm -hmm. And what else? Uh, noise pollution. Uh, I like blast fishing. Oh, yeah. When you throw uh, explosives in the water and like to get the fish to shoot up or to push them a specific direction. Yeah. Uh, since dolphins know how to communicate like really well and they can hear up to like, I don't know, like maybe like 15 like, meters away or so. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but, like, really far away, uh, they have, like, very sensitive hearing. So an explosive uh, could, like, ring so bad in their ears, I'm pretty sure, uh, that they die. Yeah, I read the same thing. Not the specifics, maybe. But, yeah, the noise could be loud enough that it can actually not only injure but kill the dolphins sometimes. Well, there are a lot of different organizations that I found um, that help them both nationally and some international uh, ones. Uh, would you tell the fine folks about the one particular uh, organization that we found for this area in Indonesia? Uh, uh, the Conservation Foundation for the Protection of Rare Aquatic Species. Aquatic species. Yeah, they work to protect the dolphins, and uh, they work around the habitat of the uh, Mahakam or Mahakam. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. River, protecting their habitat, protecting the dolphins, and then they do stuff for the dolphins specifically themselves. 
So that's really cool. So we got to two weeks in a row now since Noobsterdamus is kind of on a, a hiatus. We've been having trouble reaching him on the Thracian plains of Greece, getting a lot of uh, interference. Must have to do with the solstice or something. It's been a lot of fun to have you filling in and telling us about really, really cute animals because you like cute animals, don't you? Aminals, do you have a song for us? Aminals, 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 aminals. We are all aminals. That was deep and profound, Persinoob. Thank you very much for your efforts. Can't wait to see what animal that you have chosen. For, actually, I already know what animal you've chosen mm -hmm. for next week, but we'll keep it a you secret until know. next week. So thank you very much for joining us again. Om nom nom. E. Match number four. Our fourth and final Friday match keeps us in Asia, but we move from the Southeast to the Far East, the Chinese Super League. They are only now the number 16 ranked league in all of Asia. That's down nine from less than a year ago, the last time they calculated these coefficients. This season, the race is very exciting. It's getting to the end. Most of the teams only have about three matches left to play. Based on where they were ranked previously, they are going to get one team to the Champions League group stage, and then two more second and third place teams will get to start one round prior to the group stage in the playoff round. Enjoy it while you can, Chinese Super League, because based on where you are in the coefficients now, starting in like 2024-25, uh, you're not going to be setting three teams. That is for sure. Your matchup is number four, Shanghai Port, playing host to number B, Shandong Taishan. Shandong Taishan and Wuhan Three Towns, the number one team in the league, have both already qualified for the Champions League. The question still is, which, if either of them, is going to be the one that wins the title? And I want to say mathematically that it is going to be one of these two, or very nearly. Shandong Taishan are currently tied with Wuhan Three Towns, uh, Wuhan Three Towns, and then they lead Shanghai Port by 13. Shanghai Port, they trailed number three, uh, Zhejiang Professional by three. So basically what that all tells you is, as I uh, indicated earlier to a degree, it's Wuhan and Shandong Taishan playing for the title, Shanghai Port and Zhejiang Professional musical chairs to see which of them is going to get the third and final spot in the Champions League next year. Well, they played earlier this season, Shandong Shan. They won by a 3-1 to one score. The recent series has also been in their favor with a 9-5-5 five and five record in recent seasons. Shanghai Port. Uh, for those of you who are kind of have a casual knowledge of the teams over here, if that name doesn't sound familiar, that's because they were Shanghai SIPG until very recently. Uh, the Chinese FA made the Super League drop all of the uh, sponsor names out of the actual club names proper officially. You can still find stadiums named for them, and they're probably still known as that colloquially. But it, there's been a lot of real estate investment companies, from what I gather, that have been sponsoring these teams, and a lot of them are having a lot of financial trouble. So the FA is just saying, you know, back off, save your money, basically. Shanghai Port, they are known as the Red Eagles, and they play out of Pudong, Shanghai. Uh, this is part of the East Bank area of the city that stretches from nearly the center all the way to the East China Sea. So it's a very big one there geographically. Uh, that area, Pudong, used to just be the old area just to the east of the Huangpu River. But 
in wanting to uh, probably just have fewer districts to deal with. They greatly expanded that in more recent years, the territory that that name covers. It's an area that now includes 5 million people. It's probably the fastest growing one in all of China because it is a huge immigrant destination. I guess they're coming for Disneyland and staying for whatever else they have to offer. Yeah, you probably heard about the new Disneyland Resort that opened in uh, 2016 in China. It was actually right there in the Pudong district of Shanghai. The club, they were founded in 2005. 2013 was the first time they got to play in the top flight. They've won the league title once already. That was just a few years ago, 2018. But they've been, if they haven't been winning, they've been close a lot. They have made the Champions League every year since 2016. They even made the semifinals in 2017. Last year, however, they really uh, crapped the bed. There's no other reasonable way in my mind to put it. That is all of the Chinese teams in uh, the Champions League just didn't do anything for some reason. They lost to a Filipino club, Kaya Iloilo, which... That's one of the two best teams from over the Philippines, but just based on the population and you know budgetary concerns, you know differences alone, the Filipino team should never be beating the Chinese team. That was incredible. Last year, this team finished in second place in the Super League. This year, they are getting things done on defense. Number one in that regard, giving up less than a goal per match. They've got a top three offense to go with that. On the scoring leaderboard for them, with eleven on the season, is Lei Wu. He is their striker. And this is sort of a great little whatever happened to moment. If you are a La Liga fan, you might recognize his name. He played for Espanol from 2019 until earlier this year. He's also made 75 national team appearances. That all said, I think that the most valuable player they've got going on the season is Argentinian left winger Matias Vargas. He's only got one goal on the year, but he's got six assists. He's an excellent dribbler and tackler. This is a guy who more tends to make the pass that leads to the assist that obviously leads to the goal. He really gets things going and he tracks back well. He's very interested in moving to Arsenal. I don't know if Arsenal have reciprocated that interest or not, but in doing research on little transfer related things, I've never seen it be one way and not the other. And then another key player for them, third best goalkeeper in the league, in my opinion, is Juniing Yan. He has 10 clean sheets on the air. He's also saved all three of the penalty kicks that he's had a shot at. He has been here for his career entirely. Plus, he's made 41 national team appearances. Team's current form, 3-1-0 in their last four, and they haven't conceded any goals over that stretch. Hoping to change that, we have Shandong Taishan vying for the title. They play out of the city of Jinan in the Shandong province. It's in the northeast central part of the country, a little under uh, 10 million people all told. They used to have energy company Luneng in their name, if that case that sounds more familiar, local electricity producer. Their nickname, or one of them, is the Team of Mount Tai, T-A-I, which is in the eastern part of a range called the Chinese Sacred Mountains. And Mount Tai is specifically, and amongst other things, known as being assembled to different groups of uh, birth and renewal. I won't go uh, down too deep a rabbit trail on this, this particular time, but I suggest you Google it up on your own. It's a fascinating area. Footy-wise, they have won the lead title four different times, and they are your defending champions. 2016 in the Champions League, they made the round of 16. That's the best they've ever done. Champions League last year, 
Uh, they too uh, left figuratively with soiled sheets, didn't win any matches, only scored twice and gave up 24 goals. It's like they're not even trying from China anymore. Very strange. Well-balanced team. Second-best offense in the league. Uh, getting over two and a half goals per match. They've got the second-best goal differential. I still like Wuhan Three Towns, but I'm a little bit biased because I just like the name. Wuhan Three Towns. Something about it. But I really do think that Shandong Taishan is not going to defend their title this year. Second-best league scorer is theirs to boast of. He's got 25 on the year. The singularly named Kryzan out of Brazil plays center forward. He came over from Santa Clara over in Portugal, which I can't remember if they were in it last year, but I know at the very least this year they are in the Portuguese Primeira Liga. But the best player in the league, in my opinion, and number one in assists, he's got 16. That is Moises Lima, another Brazilian. This guy's a veteran, 34 years old, plays central midfielder for them, also has 13 goals. He left Palmeiras in Brazil, one of the great powers, at just the wrong time. Played with them from 2015 through 19, left for the Chinese money, and then Palmeiras started winning titles. Go figure. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last four and have won three straight matches. Match number five. Oh, and yes, you did not get a Chinese factoid from Persanoob, who will still be joining us in pre-recorded fashion for the countdown because Little Miss fell asleep. Unless she starts uh, mumbling, she got geography factoids or spelling related things. What do you have on Singapore? Well, at least she's not snoring. That would make for interesting background, quote unquote, music. All right, you flipped your calendar to Saturday. Match number five comes from something called the AFF Cup. We started talking about it last week, but a little review. That stands for the ASEAN Football Federation, an acronym within an acronym. Essentially, here's the deal. The AFC divides itself, I believe, into five different sub-federations, and they each have their own championship or the opportunity to do so for their national teams. This is not a qualifier for any other international tournaments, not even uh, the Asian Cup, which is the equivalent of the Euros over there. It is a standalone event. They only host it every other year. Two groups of five are competing right now. They're playing a single round robin. The top two are going to advance. It's been randomly determined which teams will travel for which two games and which two games they'll play they get to stay home for. The one we're going to look at, this is only the second match for one of the teams and the first match for the other one. Singapore versus Myanmar. It is Myanmar that have already played again. They lost to Malaysia at home 0-1. This is the first match for Singapore. The series between these two has been all Singapore. 4-0-0 is the recent record. Record. Singapore, boo, they are known as the Lions. We find it so cliche and we will not be rooting for you since you can't do better for a mascot. They are ranked number six of the 10 teams in the AFF. That also puts them number 34 overall in the AFC. So as you can see, this is not, I was going to say not one of the stronger. In fact, Southeast Asia really is the weakest of the football federations. But hey, we follow the football everywhere. So they're ranked number 34 in the AFC. FIFA ranks them worldwide at number 160. They've been much better in the past. 1993 was their highest. They peaked at number 73 in the world. That said, they've never qualified for a World Cup. 1984 was the only time that they ever qualified for those championships I mentioned earlier, the Asian Cup, and they didn't really make any hay there. 
However, they are four-time event champions here in the AFF, although the last time they won it was 2012. 2020, the last iteration of this event, they made the semifinal. Key player. Well, they are captained by Haris Haroon. He plays center back for them. He's got well over 100 national team appearances for them. Really good player. He's been playing for an excellent regional club. From 2014 until last year, he was with Malaysia's powerhouse, Johor Darul Tassim. He now plays for Young Lions uh, back in his home country in Singapore. Or Lion City Sailors, I should say. Young Lions is the national youth team. Another key player, Ilhan Fondi, forward, just 20 years old. He's going to be one of the few players uh, from Singapore, I believe, uh, at least that plays for the national team, that's going to be uh, spending time in a pretty decent league in Europe. He's about to start playing for uh, Denza, which is a second division team in Belgium. Right now, he is with Albayrak's Niigata, uh, which is a reserve team for the Japanese side that is one of the powers over here in the Singapore League. He is the son of a very famous player from Singapore named Fendi Ahmad, absolute legend, played for uh, Groningen over in the Netherlands and OFI in Crete. Team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three friendlies. Uh, the one victory, and it was the last match they played in, they beat uh, Maldives. Before that, they were playing club teams, believe it or not, from uh, the J3 League in Japan and, re and a regional club over there from the fourth division or lower, and they gave up seven goals in both of those matches. They were really in over their head. And now Myanmar, they are ranked number seven in the AFF, 34 in the AFC, and number 159 overall in the world. So very, very close. Reason I chose this particular matchup. They have never made a World Cup appearance. They did manage to finish as runners up in the Asian Cup, but that was all the way back in 1968. And that is the only appearance they've ever made in the event. 2008 and in 2010, they finished in fourth place in an event called the AFC Challenge Cup, which is not the AFC Cup which or the Asian Cup, which is the championships. The AFC Challenge Cup was a tourney for developing and emerging football nations. This event, they made the semifinal in 2016, but they haven't gotten past the group stage the last two iterations. The most capped player that they have, he's got 45 on the year, is... Uh, Mong Mong Lewin, L-W-I-N. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. He plays forward for them, as well as for Lemfun Warriors over in Thailand. And Thailand is the real power in Southeast Asia right now. 2022, that team, Lemfun Warriors, they won the second division in Thailand, which makes him the first ever player to come out of Myanmar to win a major trophy in a foreign country. Congratulations to him. Fun little bit of trivia. Team's current forum, they are 0-1-7 across all competitions and including friendlies here in 2022. They only scored in one match, and they still got whooped in that one. That was a 2-6 loss versus Singapore in the Asian Cup qualifiers. You know, kitties, instead of mew, mew, mew all the time, you should consider requests. It's the holiday season. How about some, you know, Feliz Navidad or something? No? 
All right. Nevertheless, your Christmas wish is granted. It's a recap of last week's matches, kiddies. Match number one last week was a Friday match from the UEFA Women's Champions League. Number B, Roma, took on number three, Sankt Poulton from Austria. And Roma, no real surprise here. They uh, blew him out pretty good, 5-0. Yeah, we said to look out for Valentina Giacinti. She had a goal. This eliminates St. Fulton from any chance of finishing in the top two and advancing. Match number B, a Saturday match from the Premier League in Angola. Number B, Williette took on number one, Petro de Luanda. And it was the historical powerhouse from Petro getting the win. They won one to two. No change in the table here, though. Sunday match number three, the World Cup final, Argentina and France. I'm sure you knew how it went, but nevertheless, Argentina 3-3 and then 4-2 on penalty kicks and perhaps the greatest final ever played. What a fine match. Match number four from Honduras' Liga Nacional, the Apertura final, second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie, number one Olympia played host to number B, Motagua, and the result was a 2-0 win for Olympia. A uh, guy we said to look for, Michael uh, Chirinos, or Kirinos, not sure which, he had a goal. Olympia, they win overall on aggregate, 3-0, all hail the champions. Match number five from Guatemala's Liga Nacional, the Apertura final second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. Number one, Antigua GFC, took on number B from the regular season, Coban Imperial. They played to a nil-nil draw, and since Coban had won the first one at their place, not sure why they got to uh, host, no, they didn't host the second one. Regardless, ALB's Central American champions as well. They win on aggregate, one nil. Tuesday, match number six from the AFF Cup. Brunei played host to Thailand, and this was another 5-0 match. I was not really surprised. The title holders, defending ones, Thailand, they won by that score. Match number seven from the Iranian Persian Gulf Pro League. The league leaders, number B, Estaglal, and number one, Persepolis, played to a 2-2 draw. No change in the table there. Match number eight from the EFL Cup, fourth round, round of 16. Newcastle played Bournemouth, and the hosts got a 1-0 win to advance in that tertiary tournament. Wednesday, match number nine from the Costa Rica Primera División, their FA Cup final. Uh, Cartaginés played Herediano. The result was a win for Cartaginés 2-0. Uh, leg one, we didn't know the result when we first uh, recorded. Herediano had won the first one 2-1, so by virtue of that, your cup winners are Cartaginés. Congratulations. Match number 10 from Albania's Categoria Superior. Number one, Tirana played number B, Partizani. It was the roadside getting the win. Partizani nil one, and we have a new number one in that league. They switched positions. And now, your three bonus matches with explanations on these coming later. A Thursday match for your route of the week from Ethiopia's Premier League. Number 16, Legatafo, Legadadi, played number one, Kedis George, or St. George, and St. George won nil to four. Now, there were uh, a lot of games played in between. They're actually down to second place at the moment, despite this win. They're one point behind Ethiopia, Medin, although they do have a match in hand. That's the reason that they dipped down to second place. Wednesday was your world's most meaningless match from the Premier League in Jamaica. Number seven, Portmore took on number eight, Dunbeholden. And of course they did. They played to a nil-nil draw, resulting in no change in the table for either of them. Then finally, your match of disappointed. A Monday match from the Premier League in Israel. Number 14, Hapoel Ironi, Kiryat Shmona. Played host to number 13, Sexia Ness 
Siona, and they played in a shootout. Exciting, at least that wasn't disappointing. A 3-3 draw was the final. And actually, Ness Siona, they got the equalizing penalty kick in the 93rd moment of the match. So the teams are still disappointing, but at least they played once where their fans were actually able to ooh and ah in delightful footy pleasure. And that concludes the recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back and dive into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Believe it or not, that was our only Saturday match for this particular week. But with the World Cup going on, maybe it's not so surprising. That's got a lot of the bigger leagues, particularly over in Europe, not being in play. We adjust and move on to Sunday, where we've got a great one. Match number six is from the Premier League of Libya. That league is number 10 ranked in all of Africa. That's down one from a year ago. They got passed by Tanzania. The important thing, though, really in Africa, is to be a league that's ranked in the top 12. The top 12 get to send two teams to the Champions League. Everybody else sends just one. The format for this league, they've been broken up into two groups of 10 teams each. Each group will play a double round robin, and then uh, they're about halfway through with that, by the way, and then the top three from each of the two groups will make the league playoffs. Your matchup from group number one is number B, Al Ali Tripoli taking on number one, all Etihad. Etihad currently lead Tripoli by eight. Nevertheless, so the trophy might be out of reach or kind of getting there, but they're still looking for a result at home. They want to make sure that they stay in the top three and make the playoffs. To that end, Tripoli currently lead Abu Salim, a team we talked about recently, by one in the table. Tripoli, last year they finished in second place overall in the league. 2017 Champions League that made the quarterfinals. That's the best they've ever done in that event and was their most recent appearance. 2022, they made the semifinal of the other major international club tournament in Africa, their equivalent of the Europa League, if you will, the Confederations Cup. Domestically, a lot of success. They've won the league title 12 different times. Most recently, 2015-16, the defense Pretty darn good. The offense, number one in the league, although really the bar isn't set that high. They've only been getting one and a third goals per match. This is a very defensively oriented league. They've got the second best overall goal differential. This really is a team that shouldn't have too much trouble staying in the playoff mix as the season goes on. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. And your visitors, although they're not having to travel very far, this is an intra-city derby. Idiha, they also play out of Tripoli, and they are your historical power. 18 league titles, the most of the nation's history, and your two-time defending champions. International play, they're not really quite as strong, to be perfectly honest. 2007, they made the semifinals, but usually they don't get anywhere near that far. Example. Last year, they bowed out in the first round, and then they did actually get all the way to the quarterfinal of the Confederations Cup. They made the semifinal of that event back in 2010. That's the best they've ever done internationally. They are undefeated in league play right now. Uh, The offense, pretty good. The defense is great. They've only given up one goal on the season in eight matches. As you would imagine, they've got the number one overall goal differential. Team's current form. Well, they actually just suffered a draw at the last place team, Al-Rihad Misurata. They only played them to a nil-nil draw. Match number seven. And that is it for the weekend, but no rest for the weary. We're back up and at them on Monday and headed over to the Premier League of 
Bahrain. Yeah, back to Asia we go. This is the 20th ranked league on the continent. That is up five from a year ago. So welcome to the top half of the standings in Asia, as it were, Bahrain Premier League. Your winner still doesn't get to go to the Champions League, though. They will be headed to the AFC Cup. They're about a third of the way through the season in this league. Your matchup, number one, Muharak, versus a team that really needs to get a result here. Number three, Khalidia. A look at the table. Muharak have 20 points already. Al-Rifa are in second place with 14, and Khalidia have 12. So if they're going to get in the mix, even for second best with an Al-Rifa, they really need a road result here. And a road upset would go a long way towards putting them in the title race for real. Now, it is worth noting that Khalidia do have a match in hand on both Muharak and Al-Rifa. So that does make things look a little bit tighter than they would otherwise. Muharak, your league leaders. That is also the name of the city from which... They play. It is the third largest in the country. It's on an island in the northeast part of the country of the same name. I believe they've got just a little bit under 200,000 people there. This was actually the capital of the country up until 1932. The capital is now Manama. That would have been an interesting thing for, because uh, I gather it was pretty random. You know, the old uh, Panama. Dun, dun. My understanding is that really doesn't have anything to do with anything for Van Halen. Yeah, maybe they could have done Manama, done something a little bit more geographically disparate. This has nothing to do with anything, and we're going to move on with the soccer. I've just got that song in my head now. I wanted to share. Welcome to the Earworm. The football team is known as the Red Wolf. They have won the league title 34 times. Last time was 2017-18. They have won the AFC Cup title twice, most recently 2021. They were unable to defend their title this year, though, because they could not get an AFC license. Usually, I think that has to do with the stadium. Maybe they haven't been keeping up on uh, the grounds, the stadium, for safety or seating capacity reasons. Not sure which. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, undefeated so far. Uh, number one offense going, they're good. One and three quarters uh, goal per match. But the number one defense, they're a best by a lot because this is a moderately high scoring league. And yet they've only given up two goals in eight matches. That gives them a goal differential that is twice as good as anybody else in the league. Number one league scorer for them with six is Mario Fontanella out of Italy. Before here, he had spent his entire senior career with a couple of different clubs in Malta. Kind of interesting. Team's current form, they have won three straight, and in that stretch, they have an 8-0 and goal differential working. Yikes. Caladia, this is an incredibly new club, founded in 2020, and yet uh, they must have a billionaire owner or something because they're considered the richest club in the league already. That name, Caladia, it is not the name of the city out of which they play. It actually means eternity in Arabic. Kind of cool. They actually play out of Hamad Town, which was built in the 1980s as a commuter city to the more expensive cities. So this is a real uh, blue-collar working-class hub. It's got maybe 150,000 people. Uh, culturally and socioeconomically, it's the most diverse city in the country. So people that are coming from other countries to work there, earn their living, send home remittances, this is where they're tending to live. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. This year, very well balanced. Top four offense, top two defense, second best overall goal differential. Gives a little hope that they can climb, maybe get in the race. Tied for second best in league scoring with five on the year is Mahdi Al-Humaidan. Uh, team's current form, well, 
they haven't lost since their very first match of the season. Match number eight. More Monday action, and back to Europe we go finally. To France this time for another second division matchup, League Two. League One, by the way, is ranked as the number five league in all of UEFA. The top two teams from League Two at the end of the season will get promoted. None of the other teams will have a chance to go up. This is the one, I think, major European league that doesn't have a promotion playoffs for some of the also ramps. Also rants. So that makes this even more critical than in some of the other leagues. Number one, La Havre taking on number B, Bordeaux. And La Havre have a real chance to open things up. They currently lead Bordeaux by four. And here they are having them at home. Bordeaux, in turn, by the way, they lead number three, Sochal, by one. And that's all you're going to get out of me that this particular time because this is the time of episode where Noob starts to get hungry. I get the rumbly, tumbly. And even if I'm not going to take a snack break, I at least like to think about food. This is what we call our culture break occasionally, art, architecture, folklore, religion, myth. But usually it is a recipe. And this is going to be no exception. We have found a dandy. And especially with the cold spell descending on so much of the country. Mm. This is going to sound extra delicious. Marmite diapois. That's basically a Normandy seafood stew. Here's some of the stuff that you're going to need. Uh, use a basic white fish for this, like a cod, uh, cod flounder, even tilapia. You're going to want uh, creme fraiche, or you can use a heavy, non-ultra-pasteurized heavy cream. Liquid cream, not the heavy fermented product that you might get under the same name from non-French speaking countries. Make sure you're getting pure liquid. You're going to be using some egg, lo- egg yolks. This is going to have uh, mussels or clams, or you can even mix it up a little bit and do both. And then one of the great fun ingredients, you get to add your alcohol. Uh, more than a little bit of dry white wine, or, and I believe this is a little bit more traditional, you can use a brute cider, such as a Sauvignon Blanc, which is basically fresh pressed apples, and they're made with champagne yeast for the cider. You're going to want onions, uh, fresh flat leaf parsley, unsalted butter, uh, leeks. You're going to specifically want to have those uh, cleaned and trimmed, sliced into thin rounds. You're going to be using a fennel bulb, dicing that up, uh, some fish stock. You can make your own. I won't go into a recipe on how to make fish stock. You can do that on your own or, or get some at the store. You're going to want a bouquet of garni, usually parsley stems, uh, maybe some fresh thyme in there, bay leaves, uh, wrapped up with uh, leek leaf and tied together with the kitchen string. You're also going to use sea scallops with coral if possible or baby squid. Now that sounds tender. And for your garnish, you're going to want more parsley leaves. You get a lot of green in this stew. And then the zest from about a half of a lemon where you're going to cut very thin. In fact, if you have a machine to do it, julienne the lemon zest into strips. Now a little bit in how to make this. You're going to take your fish fillet and cut those into a couple of uh, one-inch strips or as many as you have for the fish and refrigerate them until they are ready to use. Then whisk together that creme fraiche with the egg yolks in a small bowl. Cover it up. Set to the side. Now, take the little hairs off the mussels, rinse them really well, transfer them to a large saucepan or stock pot. I don't think either one is more traditional really than the other from what I've seen. Now, Pour in the wine or the brute cider 
and about half of the diced onions you're gonna use, parsley. Cover that up and bring that to a boil, not too fast, medium high heat. Cook those mussels until they actually start to open up wide. And then, and you're also gonna to wanna to shake the pan regularly, by the way, so that they're gonna cook evenly. When the mussels are cooked, remove them from the heat, transfer those to a big bowl. Strain and reserve that cooking liquid. Don't just jump it out. And if you don't feel like you have enough based on the recipe you're using, you can just add water to make up the difference. Those mussels, by the way, be warned, they're gonna be hot. Wait until they're cool enough to handle, get them out of the shell, remove the meats, discard the shells. No real surprise there. Melt the butter in a large saucepan over medium heat. Throw in the onions, the leeks, and the fennel into that. Stir and cook until the onions and fennel are translucent and the leeks are just starting to turn tender. Don't get those too soft. Really only takes a few minutes. This is where you're gonna add the fish stock the mussel cooking liquid, and the bouquet garni into the pan. Increase the heat under the pan to bring the liquid to a simmer. Cook until the vegetables are tender through and through, and the liquid has, uh, you're, you're about a third of that liquid is going to be evaporated. This is the longest part of the process other than the prep. This could take up to 25 minutes. Now, add the fish, push that gently down into the liquid, and then add the scallops in. Uh, if, it's, if you need to, to keep the liquid in December, you can increase the heat. No real danger there of searing anything. And you want to do this until all the seafood and the fish is almost cooked through. That'll take at most five minutes. Then transfer the fish and the scallops to a pre-warmed bowl. Take out that bouquet uh, garni uh, from the cooking liquid. You can get rid of that. And then you're going to whisk in your uh, seafood cooking liquid into the egg yolks and the creme fraiche mixture and then stir that back into the seafood cooking liquid in that saucepan. There's a lot of back and forth with this one. Stuff gets cooked separately and then added together. Stir this until the soup thickens just a little bit. Do not let it boil. Return the fish and the scallops to the pan. You could, by the way, drain away any liquid that they might've given off while they were sitting there. Add the mussels to the soup, and now you get to cook it until all the seafood is cooked completely through. That should take about another five minutes. And then you can taste for seasoning. You're gonna win and mince up the parsley leaves, stir in the lemon zest at long last into that soup, and then let that cook just another two or three minutes. You wanna be really traditionally, serve the entire thing in shallow bowls, and have them pre-warmed. Now, I know the temperature is sub-zero where a lot of folks are, and it might be uh, not fun to go out and get these ingredients right now, but boy, might it not be worth the trip to have a uh, Northern French hearty warm fish stew warming your insides up. Mm, I think I might have to give this a try. Match number nine. Monday isn't a day of the week usually known for being so full of great footy action, but here we are with a second one. The Saudi Pro League is where they're headed, and this is a league we're all going to be getting to know just a little bit better, I believe, over the next couple of three years, as Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be moving to Al Nasser incredibly shortly. I don't think we'll be seeing him in this particular game. So, let's learn. The Saudi Pro League is currently considered the number one ranked league in all of Asia. Now, one source that I read said only their champions go to the Champions League, and that just can't possibly be true. I am reasonably confident that their top three will all be heading to various stages of the Champions League. They're almost a third of the way through the season here. 
All Nasser, they are in first place and playing host to number three, All Hilal. And we have got a great race going early on. Al Nasser and Al Shabab are at 22. Al Hilal and Al Tawun are at 20 points apiece. By the way, Al Shabab, even though they're behind on goal differential, they're really the team to beat. They're undefeated and they have a match in hand, I believe, against all these other teams. The series between Al Nasser and Al Halal, Halal have had the better of it by just a little bit with a 10 3 and 7 record in recent seasons. Al Nasser, your hosts, doing so out of the capital city of Riyadh. Al Nasser, by the way, Arabic for victory, and they are known as the Knights of Najid. Nine league titles to their credit, 2018-19 was the last time that they won it. Champions League, they've never won that, but oh, they have gotten close. 1995, they had their best ever finish as runners-up. 2020-21 was their most recent appearance, and they made the semifinal. Last year, they finished in third place. This year, the defense, they're not even giving up a half a goal per match on average, and yet that's only good for number three in this league. They do also have the number one offense, though, getting almost two and a half goals per match, number one overall goal differential. Number one league scorer on their side with eight on the year is Brazilian attacking midfielder Anderson Talisca. European footy fans might recognize him, a little Another little whatever happened to mini segment here. He played for both Benfica over the Premier Liga and Besiktas in Turkey. Two excellent teams from both those leagues. Teams current form, they are 6-2-0 in their last eight. Al Halal, they are also from the capital city and they are known as both the Leaders and the Blue Waves. 18 league titles to their credit. That is the most in the nation's history. They are your three-time defending champions. Nevertheless, the road is the road. This is going to be a tough road to hold for them. Four Champions League titles to their credit. The last one it in 2019. They're well-balanced this year. Number three offense and a top four defense. Third best overall goal differential. I'm not sure they're going to be ultimately able to keep up with a Shabab and Nasser, but it's early enough in the season that who knows, they might only be down because they've uh, had a little bit tougher schedule. I didn't go quite that in depth. I did, however, look to see who their key players were. Number three leading, leading scorer with five on the air is Odion Ikalo from Nigeria. Plays center forward for them. Played the heart of his crew with Watford in the Premier League. He's also been with Man United and then Granada over in Spain. Tied for third best in goalkeeping in this very big league. I want to say they have 20 teams. He's got five clean sheets already. Is Abdullah al Muilouf, 35 years old. Team's current form, 2-2-1 two, two, and one in their last five. Their last loss was a friendly. They went ahead and played Newcastle because they've got a Saudi owners. Well, effectively, the country of Saudi Arabia owns Newcastle, and it was Newcastle whooped up on a pretty good nil five. And now it's time for Jokes in the Jelly Jar. Jokes in the Jelly Jar. Jokes in the Jelly. Them's the kind I'm going to tell ye. Jokes from the Jelly Jar. Hey, nobody called anybody smelly for a rhyme in that one. That's a pretty good job. Jokes from the Jelly Jar. I love this segment. We're going to entertain each other and hopefully the audience with jokes that we have found and that we enjoy. Person noob. Why did the farmer have nobody laugh at his joke? Why? Because it was too corny. 
No, you tend to try to not laugh for the most part. Now, there's something you don't know about me that not only am I a gifted podcast co-host, but um, I have an incredible ability to predict what people, maybe even you, are going to get me for Christmas. That's a gift. (laughs) That joke gets applause. Not laughter, but applause. All right, here's a harder one for you. Um, I used to date an air stewardess from Helsinki. I wish. I dropped her off at work today, and she just vanished into thin air. Don't your phone, you don't have to explain them. Jokes are funnier when you have to explain them. Helsinki is uh, is in Finland country of finland and fin air is or could be the name of their national airline fin air as opposed to disappearing into thin air a la the expression jokes are funnier when you have to explain them that's right here's another tough one for you here's kind of a it's a language joke but it's a math joke my grandma was 80 percent irish did you know that you know what her name was? Mm-hmm. Iris. Oh, I get it. I think Irish. Iris is like 80. The word Iris is 80% Irish. Woo! Yes. Gold star <gasps> for you. Do you have any jokes to tell me from the jelly jar? I mean, you could reach in there as easily as me. Okay. My friend said that he was a scared that he was scared of the calendar. I asked him why, and he said because the days were all numbered. Ooh, spooky funny. Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Oh, I think I know the answer to this one. In case they get a hole in one. Yeah. Ooh, gold star for me. What do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? What do a tick? I don't know. They're both parasites. Parasites and parasites. Yeah, I get it. That's clever. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? I don't know. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Sophisticated. (laughs) Do you have any more? One more. Okay. If April showers bring Mayflowers, then what do Mayflowers bring? I've known this since I was your age. Pilgrims! Yeah! All right. And that was... Jokes Jokes in the Jelly Jar. Jokes in the Jelly Jar. Jokes in the Jelly... I think you're kind of smelly. Oh, I brought it back. Jokes in the Jelly Jar. You're stinky. And match number 10. We're done. Finally! Yes, finally, daughter mine. And everybody has a longer wait for usual than this. You get Tuesday and Wednesday off from your official tracking of our main 10. Thursday, we get back into the major European League action. La Liga, the top flight in Spain. It is ranked as the second best league in all of Europe. They max out on international tournament appearance berths. Four will go to the Champions League, one to the Europa League, one to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup. 
is number six, Real Betis, taking on number four, Athletic Club. They are a part of a three-way tie in this part of the table for points with Atletico Madrid. And you can actually catch this one on TV, ESPN Deportes, 1.15 Eastern Time here in the U.S. Real Betis, they play out of Seville, which is the fourth biggest city in the country and easily the largest in the autonomous region of Andalusia in southern Spain. One and a half million people there. And I love this nickname. They are known since they're from the south as the Heliopolitanos, so the, the citizens of Sun City. Now, if you're wondering about the club name Betis, that actually comes from the Roman name for a river that is now far more commonly known as the uh, Guadalquivir River. Historically, this has been something of a yo-yo team, but this is their seventh straight year playing in the top flight. They've only won the league title once, and that was all the way back in 1934-35, but they're no strangers to success. They are your defending FA Cup champions, the Copa del Rey there in Spain. They've only ever been to the Champions League once. They made the group stage. That was back in 2005-2006. They're about to play in the Europa League round of 16, and that's tied for the best that they have ever done internationally. So just one more win or set of wins, and they will have a new best for themselves. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the league. This year, the offense, it's quite lacking, to be perfectly honest. They're very average at best in that regard, only getting a little over one goal per match. But their defense, exquisite. Top three, giving up less than a goal per game. And that puts them with a top six, top seven goal differential. This is a team that should be competing for an international berth throughout the remainder of the season. But I don't think that they're going to be vying for a Champions League berth, to be honest. League number three score is on their side. He's got eight on the season. That's Borja Iglesias, Spanish striker, who despite being 29 years old, just actually made his first national team appearance. And then tied for number four in goalkeeping the league with five clean sheets, Rui Silva. I think he's about that same age. He's from Portugal, and he too just made his first national team appearance late last year. Team's current form, they are just 1-1-4 in their last six, but those were all friendly, so it's hard to put too much stock in that. And now the Lions, boo, of Atletico, of Athletic Club, rather. Now, you'll notice I didn't boo nearly as long as I did the first time earlier in the show for Lions, and that's because I do give a little leeway where it's due. I am reasonable. The Lions is very cliche, but they've got a very specific reason for it with this club. Uh, the that nickname comes from a local historical saint named Saint uh, Mames. I'm going to say M A M M E S. Might be just be moms if there's a little French in there. Not sure. In any case, this person was thrown to for reasons that were not clear to me to the Lions at some point in uh, his or her life, but those Lions were pacified. Hence the miracle. They play out of the city of Bilbao, which is in the north-central part of the country. It's just the 10th biggest one in Spain, about 350,000 people there. It's really interesting that they've been able to have any anything more than just a modicum, modicum of success over time because they limit their own player pool intentionally. This is a very nationalized team for this autonomous region. Since 1912, they have only accepted players they consider to be Basque or Basque in lineage. They kind of define it their own way, but that very much limits their player pool. Nevertheless, they have won the league title eight different times, albeit not since 1983-84. Nevertheless, that's the fourth most in the entire nation's history. 
They've made two Champions League appearances, never gotten past the group stage. 2017-18 Europa League, they made the round of 16. That was their most recent international appearance, and that's the best they've ever done in any of those tournaments. Last year, they just finished in eighth place, and here they are this year, Rarified Airs, competing for a Champions League spot. The defense, you know, it's all right. They're only giving up a goal per match on average, and that's well above average for this league, if hardly uh, all-time great or anything. They do have the number three offense going, though, as well, and the third-best goal differential. This is a team that is going to be hanging around, if not necessarily quite vying for the title. They've got the third best goalkeeper in the league, in my opinion, six clean sheets already. And that's uh, Unai Simon, who has spent his entire career with this club. And he's made 31 national team appearances as well for Spain since 2020. But I think the best player that they have going is Yere Alvarez, play center back for them. Yeah, another defender, 82% passing accuracy rate. That is insanely good for a guy who's playing center back. I don't normally see that kind of percentage. He tackles well, he clears well, and he's also been here his entire career. So he knows the system very much in his comfort zone. Team's current form, they have won seven straight matches. Uh, Those were all over friendlies plus Copa del Rey matches. Bring forth the bonus matches. Ah, yes, the end of show bonus matches, perhaps my favorite part of the show, in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to have a say in what the content was going to be. How so? You find me on Twitter, particularly on Mondays and Tuesdays, as winning. I am putting up polls as Soccer Noob USA. You vote for the candidate matches, and the dreamy content gets made. It's quite exciting. The first one is an exciting match that we dramatically call the route, 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 route of 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 the week, 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 week. And as you could probably guess by the name, this is a first versus last place match from somewhere in the world. Now, earlier in the show, that I, men- I mentioned that you get your Tuesday and Wednesday off from tracking of the main matches from the show. But here, our route of the week is a Wednesday match from the Premier League in Benin, which is the 28th ranked league in all of Africa. It is tied for last place of all their leagues that actually get ranked. They only do that for a little bit over half the leagues in Africa. Now, they have got a huge league. I almost hesitate to even think of this as one league. It is four groups of nine clubs each. The top four from each of those are going to move on to the Champions route. See, that's what I would call the Premier League. I wish more leagues did it this way, though. I think it's just exciting. They're about halfway through this first phase or the regular season in which they're playing a double round robin within each group. The matchup we're going to look at is from Group B. Number one, Dodge taking on number nine, Soleil. Now, not only are they number one over uh, in this group, but they're actually number one in uh, points and worst in points, respectively. Dodge, they lead a team called Dynamo Abome by one point in the table. Soleil, they trail number eight, Energia, by five. Dodge won when they played earlier. Uh, they won on the road nil two. So not a total blow up, but that's a real possibility here on their home turf, especially because the league race is so close. The full name of the club, which I'm sure to mispronounce, is Dodge FC Da Aplahoe, A-P-L-A-H-O-U-A. Hey, 
That's the name of the city. It's in the southwest part of the country, probably about 150,000 or so. Daje comes from a phrase called Daje Soka, which in uh, the local tribal language means freedom of the human being. Now, there might be something a little bit lost in the translation, but I think it would be so cool to see some clubs do something like that with their uh, naming, whether in the U.S. or Europe. I don't even care where. I I just think it would be so much more interesting than your standard uh, Uniteds and various things like that. Last year, this team won their regular season group, but then they just finished in ninth place, right about in the middle in the championship round. This year, they've got the tie. They're tied for second best in offense in their group, getting almost a goal and a half per match. Top two defense to go with it, giving just over a goal up every other match, typically. Number uh, second best, I almost screwed it up. You don't want to say number you know what. It's tied for the second best goal differential. Um, I think Abome are really going to be able to give them a run for their money by the end of the season, but that's why this match is going to be a real roadkill situation. Dodge are going to want to uh, put up as many goals as they can, get some goal differential going in case the league title comes down to that. Team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. And now Soleil, we get our second sun reference, as that is the French word for it, just as we had the uh, Heliopolitanos earlier in the show. Now, Porto Novo is the capital of the city, and yet their home, this club, uh, they play out of Cotonou, and that is the actual seat of the government. So I'm not sure how they're defining capital there, per se. Maybe they're dividing up uh, different branches of the uh, federal government there into different geographic areas. I know that's the case in other nations in Africa. Uh, Kodno, by the way, is in the southeast part of the country, has a metro of uh, easily two million and change. Last year, this club finished in seventh place in their group. And then they were number eight in the relegation group. And in fact, that was low enough that they should have been relegated. I'm not sure why they got a reprieve, to be perfectly honest. Uh, They're going to be in the same position this year, probably. They haven't won a match on this year, and this certainly won't be their first one. Uh, They're only tied for sixth best on offense, getting only three quarters of a goal on average. But the real problem is defense. It's worse by a landslide in this group, giving up over two goals per match on average. And because of that, they've got the worst goal differential going by almost a factor of three. Team's current form, well, one of their two draws on the season, the only points they've got was two matches ago at Energia that we mentioned earlier. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Singing us back into Sunday to celebrate two teams, more or less smack dab in the middle of the table. They won't be vying for any trophies or international berths, nor will they probably be getting relegated. Sunday, we're heading to Guinea. Yeah, staying here in Africa. Top flight there is called League One. It is the 11th ranked league in all of Africa. They're a little bit more than a quarter of the way through the season is all. Number eight, Callum Star is playing host to number seven, Renaissance. And I believe we're probably the only podcast in the West and maybe even the world going to be talking about it. Now, this league gets two Champions League bursts because they're in the top 12, like I mentioned before. Just two of the 14 are going to get relegated. And these two, they'll be playing hard, but, you know, they should learn to relax a little bit. They're going to be just fine. Have a nice offseason. Renaissance currently lead Callum Star by one in the table. They trail 
number B in the league, Hafia, by five. So that's not a huge gap to make up to get to a Champions League appearance, but there's a lot of teams in between that they would have to leapfrog. Callum Starr, in turn, they lead number 12, Wakira, by just two points. Sounds dangerous, but once again, there's a lot of teams that would, uh, you know, they'd have to slide down past in order to have to worry about relegation. We'll talk about Callum Star first. They play out of the capital city of Conakry. Kowloon is one of the five districts that make up the main part of the city proper. About 65,000 people there. 1995, this team has actually won that made the semifinals of something called the CAF Cup, not entirely dissimilar to a Champions League, in that it was all number B league finishers at the time. It's a tournament that doesn't exist anymore. The Confederations Cup has essentially replaced it. 2017 was the last time they made an international appearance. That was in the Confederations Cup. They went out in the first round. In fact, they have not made it past the second round of either the Champions League or the Confederation Cup at the very least this century. That's as far back as I looked. They've won 13 league titles. Last one was in 2014. Ooh, not so meaningless after all. Last year, you would have found them in a match of meaninglessness if they if we were doing it then. They finished in eighth place. Uh, the stats really back it up. They're not going to be going much of anywhere. They do have the number five goal differential going in the league, but it's uh, barely a top seven offense, top seven defense. They're about where they should be. Team's current form one one in their last one one and one in their last three rather, and that one win was their only one in their last six. And now Renaissance, I could find very little on this club, to be perfectly honest. I can tell you that it plays out of Conakry as well. I believe that the district that they play out of is called Bonfi. Now, it could be a suburb. Pretty sure, though, that it's a district proper. I don't think this is a brand new club, but the one thing I could tell you for certain is that they did not play in this league last year. They might have been in the division down and got promoted. You try finding second division stuff from a league that's not even in the top 10 in Africa. Go ahead. Join me on the podcast because I'd love to know more <laughs> statistically. Uh, their defense, not good at all. They're they're tied for 12th in that regard. It's just awful. Their offense makes up for it. It's not a real high scoring league. They get a little bit over one goal per match, and that puts them at the top five in that regard. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2 and in their last three. As always, we will not end the show on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with score and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Two sad sack bottom feeders are about to do something they might think of as battle. They'd be better off playing table soccer, in our opinion. Welcome to the match of... Disappointed! And you selected a Wednesday match from the Super League of Greece. Like Spain, they are back in action. Unlike Spain, they are not rated nearly so high in all of Europe. This is the 20th ranked league on the continent that is down five from a year ago. One of the teams will go to the Champions League starting the second qualifying round. They'll send a couple of teams to the Europa Conference League as well. Neither of these teams is going to have to worry about that. They won't catch a sniff of it. One team is going to get relegated. One team will fight for their lives at the end of the season in a relegation playout match. That's the more the speed of these two putrid clubs. And they're well over a half, a third of the way through the season. So we're starting to know, uh, you know, who's fermenting and who's still good. Number 13, Lavadiakos is taking, is uh, playing host rather to number 14 in last place, Ionikos. Uh, 
Lavadiakos, it's hard for me to say for some reason, lead by four on goal differential. These two teams are about equally awful. The pair of them, they trail number 12, Lamia, by just one point. So if they can catch up with the lame Lamia, perhaps they can still save themselves. When they played earlier this season, uh, neither team really figured out how to score. They played to a nil-nil draw at Ionikos. Series between these two the last couple of seasons, Lavadiakos have had a slight advantage with a 3-2-1 and one record, and they have the advantage today playing at home. Uh, Livadella might be getting my emphasis on the wrong syllables there. Not sure, but I can tell you that is a town in the south central mainland of Greece. It's about an hour north of Athens, 30,000 people roughly. Despite being a really mountainous region, the valleys are very fertile and they grow a lot of cotton and a lot of tobacco there. They actually just came up. They won the second division last year, but no excuses. You still stink. You're still an embarrassment to your mother and me. When you come home, we're not telling anybody you've arrived and you're going to sleep over the garage. And that's just the way it goes, Lavadiakos. No, no back talk. No sass. They'd actually spent 2011 through 19 in the Super League, so they weren't down real, real long. Their defense, eh, uh, it's low-end average. They give up about a goal and a third per match. But their offense, they're only bothering to score about uh, one goal. Well, two goals every three matches would be the best way to put it. This is a team that has a goal differential that indicates that they could climb out of the bottom two. But it's, it's going to be looming for them the entire way. And rather than tell you about the best player on their team, let's talk about who the real problem child has been for each of these. For this team... Their worst guy is their center forward, Konstantinos Duncios. No goals, no assists in 11 appearances. That is just off. He, he's getting paid, I think. I hope they're withholding until he gives them some kind of production. He's also statistically missed three big chances, and that's compared to just four shots on goal that he's even bothered to try for the entire season. Teams current form, they are winless in their last five. Their draw versus number six, Eris Thessalonikai, though, did snap a three-match losing streak in their last match. So just a tiny bit of light for these people at the very bottom of the Greek garbage can. And now Ionikos. They actually play out of a city called Nikala in the area called Piraeus, which is southwest of uh, Greater Athens, has maybe about 100,000 people. I wouldn't call it a suburb, but, you know, give it another 20 years. They just came up a couple of years ago when they won the second division. They've been all the way down as low as the fourth division in Greece as recently as 2012-2013. They've been in the top flight a couple times before, not often enough to probably be called a yo-yo team, but they did finish as high as number five once in the table. Last year, you would have been more likely to find them in a most meaningless match as they finished in seventh place. This year, the offense not so good. The defense is just a whole nother level of stinkiness. They give up one and three quarters goal per match on average. That is second worst in the league. Their goal differential is... 12th. They are going to, I won't say they're going to get relegated. They might be able to survive against another division division two team when it comes to relegation playoff time. But boy, I wouldn't put money on them. Their worst player is their goalkeeper, Lefteris. Oh goodness, I should have practiced this one. Chote Siotis. 
I won't even bother spelling it. This guy isn't worth the time. He's only got two clean sheets and 14 appearances that he has made. Believe it or not, this is a guy who actually used to be on the national team roster. He made a handful of uh, under 21, I believe it was, appearances. Yikes, I'm glad that they recognized the writing on the wall and that this guy was not good in the slightest. Team's current form, their 1-1 draw against number one, Panathinaikos actually snapped a two-match losing streak. So even though both of these two teams have managed to, if not win, at least not lose in the most recent matches, we will nevertheless, as always, not wish them good luck as we bid them adieu, but rather heckle them and shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that's a wrap on episode 115 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Persa Noob. Thank you very much to my daughter for bringing all of her humor and creative inspirations to the show. Mwah. Love you very much. Also, our gratitude to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the Interno Inferno for everything he brings to the table week in and week out as it relates to the show and all my writing efforts. And most importantly, Thank you to you for finding us, for listening to us. We've been described as a great change of pace podcast. We endeavor to talk about some matches that nobody else in the world is talking about and doing it with a humor that thankfully is probably not replicated anywhere else. Until we can do this again in a few days, please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. <laughs>